Welcome this morning. It, it finally feels like summer has arrived after weeks and weeks and weeks of rain. Um, we found uh, that the sun does exist and, and it is beautiful to have it. Um, and so if you have a Bible, uh, I hope you do, I would encourage you to open it up um, to, the, to the Gospel of Matthew. Um, we're going chapter 21, uh, verse 28 through 32 this morning. Um, and so if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to, to Luke uh, chapter, tw- I'm sorry, to Matthew, excuse me, to Matthew 21. Um, and as you do, we are continuing in this series um, that we've started for the summer um, where we are looking at the parables that Jesus taught. And Jesus used parables um, as uh, a story. What, what Jesus realizes, a lot of us Um, if not all of us, like to hear stories. Stories are what draw us into conversation. Stories are the thing that we enjoy to listen to and to be a part of and hopefully to tell ourselves. And Jesus used parables. He used these stories to teach a deeper meaning. Um, Don't ever go, man, Jesus is telling a story for the sake of uh, a story like the stories that we uh, may have heard as a child at bedtime or that Ryan reads or makes up for his kids at bedtime. These are not those kinds of stories. They, in fact, are uh, deeper than that. They have a deeper meaning where God is trying to convey. He's trying to share with us a truth that we cannot miss out on. And so do not miss the deeper meaning throughout this whole series and do not miss the deeper meaning that God's word is showing us. It's not just a story for the sake of telling a story. There is something that God is trying to teach us in and through that. And so I hope you're there by now in Matthew chapter 21, verse 28. And this is, today we're going to be looking at the parable of the two sons. And so this is what Jesus is teaching um, in this parable. Matthew 21, 28. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and he went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two of them did the will of his father? And they said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for summer. Um, Thank you for those who are here this morning and those who are away. Father, we pray that as we engage with your word, Lord, that, that this story would not just be a story that seems fun or engaging, but it would be something that penetrates deeper beyond our ears and into our heart, that we would see the truth that you are trying to speak to each and every one of us. Father, um, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for the opportunity to come together like this, to to be uh, the church, to, to meet together, to hang out, to have fun, to learn from your word, and that we would take it from here. Uh, So, Father, be with us this morning. Um, Help us to to hear your word, to experience your word, but to do something with it, that it would change us and it would change our relationship with you, that others might see that and they may feel uh, an opportunity at a relationship with you. So, God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for who you are and thanks for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So a couple weeks ago, um, as many of you know, my buddy Marshall, uh, Marshall's one of my, if not my best friend, um, and he was getting ready to go on vacation with his wife, and so he said, hey, Ryan, can you do me a favor? And I go, like, it's like, oh. I'm like, do I have to watch your dog? He's like, no, it's actually way easier than that. And I was like, thank you. I don't want to do that. Um, he's like, I actually just need you to water my grass. And so he had planted some new grass. And, you know, when, when grass is getting ready to, you know, when it's in the early stages, you need to water it constantly. And so he's like, I need you to come over every day and water my grass. Um, and inside I'm like, dude, I wish you would ask me to watch your dog. Um, because I did not, like, I didn't want to go over there. Marshall and I don't live really close to one another, and so it's out of the way. I never go by his house, like, in my normal daily routine. And so I'm like, this is, this is going to suck really bad. Like, I'm going to have to go water his grass. And he's like, if you could, like, if you really, he's like, it really needs it twice a day, but it once is fine. And so I was like, yeah, I'll do it for you. And so the first day I was like, I'm ready to go. And so I went over to his house, and I got there, and the way that he showed, like, he's like, hey, Here's, this, here's the, the hose, and here's how you turn it on. Here's the code for my garage, the whole thing. So I go over there, and I, I, I get the water, and I start spraying it. And, and what he didn't tell me is that while he was gone, he was having his bathroom remodeled at the same time. And so, like, when you, if you don't know anything about plumbing, when you get your bathroom remodeled, they shut the water off. And so I'm like, I call him, I'm like, dude, I would love to water your grass, but there's, there's no water pressure, and so I can't water your grass. He's like, oh, my goodness, I completely forgot that. He goes, but don't worry, keep doing it, like, it'll be, it'll be all right. And I go, dude, I'm praying for rain. I go, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't, I don't want to keep coming over here. I go, I'm praying for rain. And um, as soon as I left his driveway that day, I, I never thought about watering his grass again. Um, and luckily, God answered that prayer with all of that rain that we just got. Um, but the reality is, the reality is, once I left that driveway, once I left that driveway, I'm like, there was no real intention of coming back to fulfill the commitment that I had made to Marshall. Like, I wasn't committed in it. It was like, hey, I want, I want you to, like, I want this to, to grow our relationship, but I don't want to do that for you. And as soon as I left, I was no longer committed to the promise that I had made to Marshall. And you may never have promised to water someone's grass and then, like, failed on that, that commitment. But I think when we really look at it, there's a lot of the times in our lives where we make a big commitment where we're like, this is the year. This is the time where I'm going to do whatever it is that I really want to do. And once we begin to pursue that, it kind of falls flat. And we're not quite as committed as we thought we were. And I think for, if we're, if we're real, I think for a lot of us, this can be how it is in our relationship with Jesus. Like we'd be like, man, I'm, I'm committed. Yes, yes, I want what Jesus has to offer, and we begin a relationship with him. But quickly, life gets caught up. We get caught up in our lives, and we find ourselves in a position where we're like, I made a commitment, but I'm not really living up to that. Like, I want the reward. I want the, the relationship, but I'm not willing to do what it takes to necessarily get there. And I think that this, this parable speaks a lot to that posture. It speaks a lot to that attitude that a lot of us have in our lives in our relationship with Jesus. And so let's jump back in. So Jesus is teaching this parable. He says, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And the son replies to him, he says, I will not. 
But afterward, he changed his mind and he went. Verse 30 says, And he went to the other son and said to the same to him. He said, uh, Son, go work in the vineyard. But he answered, I will go, sir. But in response, he did not go. And Jesus asked, Which of them did the will of his father? And I think what this parable, what this parable is really getting at is that I think he goes on to explain this, but I think what our problem is, the thing that we are really getting after is we see this opportunity to follow Jesus. We see an opportunity to begin and start a relationship with Jesus. And at first we're like, yes, this looks great. Like I want what Jesus has to offer. And we quickly begin a relationship with him. And quickly into that relationship, we realize, hey, like I have a relationship with Jesus. And so now what I need to do is I just, I'm just going to go along with my normal life. Like I'm going to go along with the things I've always done. I'm not going to begin to change my lifestyle. I, I have a relationship with Jesus. I prayed a prayer. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And so I'm good now. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. He's speaking to, to two different crowds. And I think for a lot of us, we can find ourselves in this position where we go, yes, I have a relationship with Jesus. I prayed a prayer. I invited Jesus into my heart, and I'm good now. Like, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And students, like, I fear that that's a reality that a lot of us are living in. With this idea of, like, I will go, like, Yes, Jesus, I will respond to your offer of salvation. Yes, I will go. And what we do is we don't actually follow up on what's required of us in entering into a relationship with Jesus. Like students, my fear this morning is that there's a lot of us walking around who maybe grew up in a home where we were encouraged to know Jesus. We grew up in a home where we were brought to church on a regular basis. Like we grew up in a place where our parents surrounded us and told us about Jesus and our Sunday school teachers told us about Jesus and maybe we go to a school that tells us about Jesus and we're so surrounded and we remember at a young age, I, I hear this all the time when I'm engaging with students. It's like, well, how long have you been following Jesus? And the response is, I've been a Christian my entire life. And I think we get caught up in the reality of, I just said yes. But what we don't actually do is begin to change our life in a way that shows others. Begin to change our actions and our heart and our motives that begin to show others who Jesus really is. And I fear for us this morning, students, that that may be where some of us are at. Jesus goes on to say this. He says, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of heaven before you. For, God, for, for John came to you, for John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you, you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. And I think we find ourselves in that place this morning where we see the things that God is doing in and around us, but it doesn't really change our hearts towards following him intentionally and with our entire life. My fear this morning, students, is that there's a lot of us in here that think that we're saved, but we really don't even have a real relationship with Jesus. And I think Jesus hints towards this. 
you know, he hints towards this in, in Matthew chapter 7. He says this. He's speaking. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, <clears throat> but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And what Jesus is saying is when you enter into a relationship with him, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you realize that you could never do it on your own. Like you never, ever, ever can do it apart from him. And it's not just a prayer that we pray. It's a prayer that we pray. It's an it's a engagement. It's a realization of a need for a Savior. And from that moment is saying, I am no longer living my life for myself. I am going to begin to display the works of the Spirit in my life. I am beginning, I'm going to begin to rid myself of the sinful behaviors and temptations that exist in my world. But my fear this morning, students is that we pray that prayer and we go, I'm saved, I'm secure, and I'm good to go, and I'm not going to change anything about my lifestyle, and I'm not going to do anything different in how I live my life. And the reason that I fear that is because the reality is to what Jesus speaks to. He says, I don't, like students, I don't want you to find yourself before Jesus in this moment and him say, I don't know who you are. Yeah, you prayed a prayer, but how did that affect how you lived your life? You know, in this parable, Jesus speaks to the, to the tax collectors and the prostitutes that will follow what Jesus is calling, will follow the lifestyle, will follow the heart change that Jesus is calling people to. And those are the ones, he says, those are the ones who, are, who will be in heaven. Those are the ones who are going to get in. When we look through the Gospels and we see interactions that Jesus has with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes, what we see from them is they're in a life of sin. They're living their lives in a way and they come to understand who Jesus is and there's a drastic life change. If you've been in and around the church your whole life, you know of the, the tax collector named Zacchaeus. He's a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He did what? What did he do? Climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. And he finds that he meets Jesus. And, and when he meets Jesus, he has a meal with Jesus. He comes to understand who Jesus really is, that he is the Savior of the universe. And what's his response to his interaction with Jesus? He pays back everybody that he has cheated. He changes his lifestyle. And it's not just in front of Jesus. It's not just, hey, Jesus, there's a guy cheated. I'm going to go do it. Jesus is gone. He leaves his life in a physical way, but he's still in his life in a spiritual way. And he goes and he writes the wrongs that he has committed, and he has a grand lifestyle change. But my fear is that some of us in here, we look at our lives and we go, I'm not that bad. My life's not that bad. I think sometimes we lie to ourselves. We go, I don't, I don't really know how much sin I'm engaging in. And we don't really begin to follow Jesus in a way that we need to. We don't really experience life change because we've convinced ourselves we're okay. 
What Jesus is calling us to is to radical life change, radical transformation of life, that we begin to understand and see the temptations and the sinful behaviors in our lives, and we say, I cannot continue to do these things if I am truly following Jesus. My question for you is, do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that he is the savior of the universe in your soul? Do you really believe that? And if you do, I would say your life is a representation of that belief. But I think sometimes we find ourselves saying, Jesus, he's a cool guy. I like him. Yeah, I gave my life to him. And I'm just doing my thing. I think for some of us, we see Jesus solely as fire insurance. If I, if I pray a prayer, then I won't go to hell. When in reality, Jesus is saying like, yeah, that's an incredible offer. That's an incredible offer. But you know what separates heaven from hell? It's the presence of Jesus in one place and an absence of Jesus in another. Like that's the, that's the sole thing that separates heaven from hell. It's the presence of Jesus. That's what makes heaven so great. It's not that we're not in hell. It's that we get to be with Jesus for all of eternity. And I think sometimes we get so focused on, like, I don't want to go to hell, and the only solution is Jesus. We make that decision, but then we don't do anything with it in our lives. And Jesus, he issues that warning in Matthew 7. He says, don't find yourself in a position He says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? Don't look at your life. Don't look at your life in in the blips moments where you go, well, that great thing happened. And God used me in that one way that one time to share things with other people. Paul warns us. Paul warns us in 2 Thessalonians. He warns us in 2 Thessalonians of people just like this. He says, The coming of the lawless one is by activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonder. Here's the thing. Don't be, don't be confused. Satan is powerful. He can do some pretty crazy things that make us feel like, man, this has to be God. But what we see here is we see that the devil is powerful and he will do some false signs in our lives. You may engage in some behavior like this is unbelievable. This is great. God's doing incredible things around me. I have to be saved like because of these great things that he's doing in through me. And in reality, we find ourselves going, maybe that's not exactly what it is. Maybe some of these things that are happening are not because of my amazing relationship with God. When we look to the 12 disciples, Judas, he walked with Jesus for three years. He was a part of his ministry. There were times where the disciples healed people, where they cast out demons, where they did life together. And there comes a moment where Judas completely betrays Jesus, which makes me go, he never had a relationship with him in the first place. But it's not like, you know, when, they're, when, when, when Jesus is sitting at the Last Supper, and he says, one of, you will, one of you will betray me. It's not like everybody goes, dude, it's Judas. It's got to be him. Because remember that they were healing everybody? Remember, like, we were healing, and, like, Peter was, like, healing people, and, and James and John were, like, over there, and they were healing people, and Judas was kind of, like, kicking rocks on the side because he couldn't heal people. No, they're, they're confused. They're like, well, hold on, Jesus. One of the 12 will betray you? 
How can that be? It's not like there was like, hey, you know what? It's got to be Judas because remember that day we were casting out demons like, and he wasn't able to? No, Judas was able to do these things. But in the end, he had no relationship with Jesus whatsoever. It was a heart issue. And so don't allow yourself to be confused by the things that are happening around and through you. Don't just think that it's a belief in a God that exists. Don't find yourself saying, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I know that he's real. If you believe that God is who he says he is, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, it should cause incredible life transformation. It should be this realization that, holy smokes, all of the things that I used to count as valuable are not as valuable as I thought they were. My number one pursuit must be Jesus. It's not just a belief. It's not just, I believe that God is real. You know, we even see in James chapter 2, it talks about the demons. In James 2.19, it says, You believe that God is one? You do well. But even the demons believe and they shudder. So it's not just a simple, mere belief that God exists. It is saying, hold on a second. I believe that not only he exists, but I believe that he is who he says he is. I believe that he is a God who came to this earth, who put on skin, who put on flesh and bone, who lived a life to show me how I need to live my life. He died on a cross for my sins. Like a belief in saying, that's the kind of God I want to have a relationship. That's the Jesus that I need to begin a relationship with. The Jesus that says in Luke 9, 23, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself daily. You must take up your cross and you must follow me. It's not just, if you want to be my disciple, believe. Just believe. See, from these two sons, what we see is the first one. He says, no, no, no. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not, no. Father, I'm not going to do what you asked me to. This is, this parable, the deeper meaning is a God who's extending an invitation to each and every one of us to be a part of his family. And students, I, I'm sorry if this is the first time you're hearing, but it is not, a, it is not simply a rewards-based relationship. Yes, we gain life eternal because of it, but there is a cost that we must pay in this life. There will be times where you will feel the weight of the decision of following Jesus. And my challenge for you is to, to step back and to look at your life. To step back and identify what your life looks like. Identify the moment when you said, hey, that's when I began to follow Jesus. And look at your life before that and look at your life now. Has there been real, authentic heart change? Has there been real, authentic lifestyle change? Now, don't get this wrong that, that we earn our salvation through our works. No, no, no. Our works are a byproduct of our salvation. If I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then I am going to drastically change my life with the hopes of showing others who he is, with the, with the hope of living the life of service that Jesus lived. I want to get this right. 
as I was reading and, and studying through this this week, it says this. It's not just an acknowledgement that Jesus is God. It says, when the kingdom of heaven comes in all of its fullness, it will not be people's profession that counts, but their profession as shown in the way that they live. We don't earn salvation. We cannot earn it. But it leads us. When we find it, when we receive the free gift, we go, if this is for me, then I have to give out. I have to get rid of that addiction. I have to change the way that I treat my parents. I have to change the relationships and my priorities in them. Do you students believe that Jesus is in fact who he says he is? How are you living your life? Are you saying, yes, Father, I will follow what you've called me to do. And then you see the commitment and you go, yep, that's a hard commitment, but I'm willing to do that because I know that's what is needed as I pursue this life with Jesus. Don't be the son who says, yeah, Father, I'm gonna do that, thank you. Lord, come into my heart and thank you. And we walk away and we never change how we interact. We never change the, the pursuits of our heart. I want you to take a look at your life. I want you to really think through how you go about your daily life. And as you reflect upon that, I want you to think through the actions that you live out and the, the desires of your heart, the motives behind your actions. You really need to take some time and say, is this the right pursuit? Why am I really doing the things that I'm doing? Am I changing my lifestyle at all? And if I am, what's my motivation for that? And students, as you, as we engage with a, a text like this one this morning, sometimes we find ourselves going, man, I, like, I've prayed that prayer, but my life doesn't look very different. I would, I would challenge you this morning to really say, have you really authentically given yourself, given your heart, given your person to Jesus? Have you really and authentically done that? Or was it just lip service? Was it, I think the, the reality is as, as children, especially if we grew up in a home, we just, we, we want to be obedient. And as a child, we go, I know that Jesus, I'm supposed to give my heart to Jesus. And so I ch I'm choosing to do that. And it's an act of obedience. And I think that that's necessary. But I think sometimes as we grow and as we feel the temptations of the world and we see the, the fleeting pleasures of this world, we start to attract ourselves to that. And we realize a decision that was made in obedience may not have been a decision that we wanted to make for the rest of our lives. And we realize that, that in high school, now that like it's really like, it's not just an obedience thing. It's, a, it's my choice. I have the opportunity to make a choice. And for me, it was, as a kid, I remember it time and time again. Grew up in a Christian home, went to church my whole life. I would have been the kid who said, I grew up a Christian. I've always known Jesus. 
And then something happened my sophomore year where I was at a summer camp and I felt the Holy Spirit saying, Ryan, you are following in childlike obedience, but I need you to make this decision on your own. Not because others have encouraged you and told you it's a good choice to follow Jesus, that it's the best choice of your life. Don't just do it out of obedience. I want you to experience me for real. And I'd prayed the prayer a hundred times before. And as a little kid, I was always like, did it work? Where's the mark? Is it like, is it like, mom, is there something new on my back? Like I'm looking for a, a sign. I'm looking for the, the, the fulfillment and the trust and the understanding that like I am saved. I've accepted the gift of salvation. And it was that year, that summer, where I'd heard the gospel presentation about how much Jesus loves us about how much he cares for us, about the fact that he died for us, about that he called, came, to, came to rise again, that he conquered death, and that he's called us to live a lifestyle that is in pursuit of him and looks like his life. And I heard this conversation, I've, I've heard this message multiple times before, but that was the moment when I go, no, 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 no. It's no longer following in childlike obedience. This is now my decision. And that's the moment where I go, Jesus, I need you in my life. I've been half in and half out, which means I'm not in it at all. And as I look back, like there was something that came over me, and I believe that it's the Holy Spirit. It was living and dwelling inside of me. And now here's the thing. It's not been all rainbows and butterflies and sunshine there have been a lot of difficult things, temptations that exist, sinful behaviors that needed to be pushed out and still need to be pushed out. But what it is, is it's an understanding that this is not me. This is not my life. I need to say yes to the Father. Yes, I will go work in the vineyard. Yes, I will go do what you've called me to do. And I'm going to go do that, not for me, but for him, because he's a Father who loves us. And so where are you this, this morning, students? Really think through that. Here's the thing. If, if you feel that this morning, that, that invitation, that opportunity is right there before you. And it's not fire insurance. It's the realization that Jesus is so much better than we could ever imagine. That he loves us so much. And that when he calls us to a new life, it's a life that will not be easy in this life. But it will be one that is fulfilling that brings others to know him so that when we see him face to face on that day, he can say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You saw what I called you to and you pursued that with your life. Where are you at this morning? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And how is your life different because of the decision that you made in receiving the gift of salvation. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to life. God, it's my prayer that we would hear what you're calling us to, that we would be committed in our pursuit, not just in our decision, but that we would be committed and we would follow through with our lives. 
God, I pray that your spirit would work in, in the ways that only he can to convict our hearts, to show our hearts, to confirm our hearts of what you want from us, of what you're calling us to, and that we would humbly and obediently serve you. God, thank you. Thank you that you teach us in ways that we can understand. Continue to lead us, Father. Continue to lead us as we follow what you're calling us to do with our lives. Thank you for your love.